Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Uh, and you can call in with your prayer requests. So maybe you've been reading the Bible and you've always wondered, what does this one passage mean? How should it be understood? Maybe you uh, are wondering, what does the Bible say about a current situation going on in the world or in your life personally? We'd love to answer those questions for you. And if you have a prayer request, something going on in your life that you don't necessarily need a biblical counsel on, but maybe you just need some prayer. Well, we have a lot of people who tune in and listen to this show, and we can all say yes and amen as we lift up those needs to God. So please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. 0897. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us today. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those on Truth FM in Tennessee, those on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho, and those joining uh, across the United States on the Radio by Grace listening network. We're so glad to have you with us. Uh, You who are listening on Radio by Grace stations and you who are listening on Grace FM, you're here in the show live today. Today is April 1st. It is a Friday. Glad to have you with us on this beautiful day. Hopefully it's beautiful where you are here in Colorado. It's it's a gorgeous spring day. And uh, we also want you to know, those of you listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio, that you hear this show on a one-week delay, but we never want that to deter you from calling in or texting us with your prayer requests and your questions about the Bible. And you could actually view it as a, a unique opportunity that you have. Being that you're on delay, you know that uh, the show is going to air one week from now in your local area, and so you can use that opportunity to call us, text us, have your question answered, have your prayer request prayed for, and then you can tell a couple friends, hey, tune in, I'm going to be on the radio. Maybe that's how you can introduce them to the station, and God might use it in their life as they begin listening to it. But however you're listening, whether you're listening live or on delay, uh, we would love it if you would help us get the word out as this network of stations, the listening family of Calvary Live is growing We just want more and more people to have access to this show, to be able to call in with their questions, to be able to be prayed for, and um, to just listen in as other people's questions come in. And I would encourage you out there, if you have a question that you are thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe this isn't a good enough question, maybe there's somebody else out there, maybe maybe somewhere else in the world or in the different part of the country who has that same question, but they're not able to call in, or maybe they're too shy. So I would encourage you, be bold 
give me a call. I'd love to discuss the things of God's word and pray for your prayer requests. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in the city of Longmont, Colorado. We are just located right off of I-25 and uh, Highway 119. And so if you are in Longmont or in any of the surrounding area, if you're within driving distance of Longmont, we would love to have you join us. Our church is located right in between I-25 and County Line Road, just east of the city center of Longmont. And we're right on Highway 119. So if you are driving down Highway 119 from I-25 going towards Longmont and Boulder, then you will see us on the north side of the highway. You can't miss us. We've got a huge sign, and uh, we'd love it if you would come and worship with us sometime, visit us, send people our way. Uh, God's doing a great thing here at our church. In fact, church has been growing. This past Sunday was our uh, biggest attendance ever, so we are excited about that and excited about what God is doing. We have three services every Sunday. The number to call or sorry, not the number to call. The address for our services is 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's the address of our building, 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. You can find directions and you can find uh, all that good information you're looking for about our church, who we are, what we're about, where we're going, what we believe. You can find all that on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. I think what I started to say was we have three services on Sunday mornings, and those are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you join us for those. Our 9.30 and 11 a.m. services are broadcast online on our website. So if you're not able to come in person, you can still join us online. Again, directions, webcast, all that good stuff, it's found on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me here on Grace FM. You can hear me on weekdays. I'm on twice a day every weekday at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time as well as Sundays at 1 p.m. So we also want to welcome those of you who are listening online. We uh, got a map here of where people are tuning in from. We got people all over the United States, as well as an international listener. So welcome to you. And uh, if you didn't know it, you can listen to this show and all the other great programs on Grace FM on our website, gracefm.com, or on the Grace FM app, which you can easily find in the App Store or in the Google Play Store. Well, with that, let's go to our first caller, Gail in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Gail. Welcome to the program. Yes, hello. Thank you. What can we do for you today, Gail? Well, trying to simplify the the situation as much as possible. Um, My daughter, who is a believer um, in her late 20s, has um, been in a relationship with a man for a couple of years, um, who is now out of prison. Um, his prison time has been everything from burglary to domestic violence. Um, she is now engaged to him. Um, she is, we do not have open communications with her as she believes that I'm terribly judgmental as I do not want this man in my life, nor do I want him in my home. Um, he has been diagnosed as sociopath, and my parents are now involved, and he's spending a great deal of time with my parents on a remote ranch in Montana, and they 
think that I'm being terribly judgmental for not wanting him in my home. Mm -hmm. He is not a believer, nor will he set foot in a church. Mm. And so I'm trying to, more than anything, I'm trying to justify maybe my feelings that I don't, there is nothing that says I have to be a good Christian to let him in my house. Yeah, so I, I think there is a difference between trust and, you know, believing in God's power to, to save somebody and to redeem them. Um, so, you know, I think that's really, if I was going to, you know, explain to people why you don't want them in your house, it would simply be that. That, I mean, trust is something that has to be earned. Now, where I would kind of uh, ask you a few questions, one of my questions for you would be, I mean, is it because of his past? Is it because of what is the, is it that you are afraid of? What, tell me a little bit about why you don't want to have him in your house. Um, when we first met him, he spent a weekend in our home with our daughter. And it was he, his language, his behavior, his consumption of alcohol, his everything. He is, was just vile. I mean, and that is an understatement. Um, we didn't know at the time that he was actually on parole. And one of our family's sporting events, we enjoyed going out and, and shooting, and he brought guns with him, and that was in violation of his parole. The fact that he was in our county was a violation of his parole. And so, anyway, we did some research and found out he should not have even been there. Mm-hmm. Um Drinking alcohol was a violation of his parole. So due to that weekend, he was sent back to prison. And 18 months later, he's now out. About three weeks after he got out of prison, he proposed to my daughter. And no, I, I don't want him in my house again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is simply a matter of having um, boundaries, right? Every relationship is defined by boundaries. And... Um, and and that so, but here's where I would somewhat challenge you, Gail. So on the one hand, if you, if you were going to talk to your family about your decision, I would encourage you to talk about the trust and boundaries. That's your prerogative, and I think that's fine. You know, whatever you decide to do. Where I would kind of push back uh, to you, it would be in this regard. I would say this: I don't think you can have influence on someone without any proximity. And so, if this is an inevitability that he's going to be part of your family. And I understand that that's not what you want, but if it is going to happen, um, well, a few things. Number one, you know, have that frank conversation with your daughter, help her to understand the reasons. It sounds like you might have already done that. Um, If she still decides to move forward, you're going to have a big decision to make, which is, you know, are you going to let this, you know, your feelings about this person cause you to not have contact with your daughter, I think that would be, that'd be very sad for you and for her. Um, And I would just encourage you that if there is an opportunity for this person to experience redemption and and growth and things like that, that will only happen through the proximity of Christian people being near him and having the ability to influence him. You can't really influence anyone without proximity. And so I think that would be something for you to pray about. And, um, Sounds like a very difficult and frustrating situation. Well, let me go ahead and pray for you, and then I'll let you go. 
Heavenly Father, Thank I do you. I do pray for Gail. I pray you give her a lot of wisdom with how to deal with this situation. I pray, Lord, that you give her uh, just clear speech and talking to her daughter about her concerns. And um, and Lord, we do ask that you would save this individual. Lord, we pray for her daughter that she would not end up in a situation where she's unequally yoked. And Lord, we do pray for for her daughter to to really walk in that Christian walk in obedience to you and in every area of her life, including in her relationships. And so, Lord, we do pray for Gail and pray for her family that their influence in this man's life would cause him to turn to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. And God bless you. Okay. God bless you too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Ray in Atlanta, Georgia. Can you hear me, Pastor Nick? I can hear you. Hi, Ray. Welcome to the program. Uh, welcome, uh, welcoming you. Uh, first time uh, I was talking to Pastor Jeff the last couple of times. Uh, my wife's in the hospital right now. Cancer in a serious condition. And, uh, just wondered if... Uh, you pray that this is a turning point because, uh, I mean, it's advanced. And, uh, we've talked to her about advanced directive, living will. And, uh, I want to see this thing turn around. I want to see it make it through the night. And I was talking to one of your colleagues about Mark 11, 22 through 24, mm-hmm. and uh, 1 John 5, 14. One of those scriptures... 1 John 5.14 says, according to your will. God is supreme. He has infinite wisdom. He's sovereign. And he has uh, he has the perfect law better than you and I could ever have for anybody. But in uh, Mark, it, it doesn't say that. It says, uh, uh, you know, have faith in God and say that this mountain get down moving fast and see. You say mountain of cancer come out of the body right now. Her name is Esther. And uh, redeemer, healer, and uh, you know, it says whatever you whatever you say, if you believe in your heart and do not doubt, then you shall have you yeah. shall have what you have asked of him. And therefore, when you believe that, when you pray, you will receive, and you shall it shall be given unto you by what you say. I'm not quoting that verbatim, but it's pretty close. I'm, I'm not reading the Bible right now. Here's my point. My will obviously can be overrode by his will. Mm. We know he makes the best decision for us. So uh, I struggle with that sometimes. But uh, we know we're all limited down here on how much time we have. It's hard to face. It's hard to face right now. Yeah. Well, let's pray for your wife. Um, let's do it right now. Heavenly Father, we do pray for raised wife Esther. Lord, we pray that you would heal Esther of her cancer. We pray you'd take it away from her body and heal her, set what is wrong in her body right. Lord, we pray that you would remove the cancer and do a miracle. We pray that her body would be well and that she would be healed in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, I do appreciate Ray's heart, and I pray that you would strengthen him, Lord, in his sense of surrender to your will but also in his conviction to pray in faith that you can do anything and Lord, that you desire to give good gifts to your children. And so Lord, uh, knowing that all of us have a limited time here on earth, 
we do ask, Lord, for you to be glorified in Esther's life, uh, and we do ask in Jesus' name for her healing. Amen. He's glorified through the healing. Mm. And what it is, is, you know, we have some loved ones in our family that have kind of turned away from God, but uh, we wanted them to see this miracle occur uh, so they could come back to Christ. Yeah, that would be excellent. You know, uh, and I have seen God do miracles, even in my own family, in regard to people's health. I, I can tell you about one time when I prayed for someone uh, almost almost uh, reluctantly, like I had something else to do, and this person had come and asked for prayer. They were having a surgery, a brain surgery. They had to have a tumor removed, and I prayed for them. The next day they went in, and there was no sign of the tumor anymore, and they did, ended up not having surgery. So I've seen God do it. But I would also tell you this, that it isn't only through the healing that God can be glorified. God can be glorified in a lot of ways, right? I'm just teaching through John, John's gospel right now, and um, I'm in John 14 this Sunday. And there, you know, John says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Now, right before this, he explained to the disciples that they have a very troubled life, right? Because there's a traitor in their midst. Jesus, who they thought was going to be crowned as king, is going to actually be killed by the Romans. Um, and then it says that they're all going to turn away from him, and Peter himself is going to deny Jesus three times before the sun rises. And obviously they had trouble in their lives, and that trouble wasn't taken away, and yet they could have untroubled hearts knowing the hope of heaven, which is what Jesus gives them right after that. He says, you can let not your hearts be troubled, he says, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you and then so that when I return, I can take you to where I am. And so that is the ultimate hope that we have. And we can actually glorify God in our lives, whether he does the miracle or whether he doesn't. And so I would just encourage you with that. But I, I do agree with you, Ray, in one way, that we need to be praying for God to do miracles and just let let it sit because i think sometimes people when they pray they're almost like uh giving god an out or apologizing ahead of time for even asking right and saying well only if it's your will i think god knows that he has the prerogative and and we should just ask in jesus name believing as as mark's gospel says so yeah. god bless you ray we'll be praying for your wife yeah i like mark's see we're remarries our spouses died 21 years ago, in their 40s, we met, we've done missions to India, and I thank the Lord for us. I really do. We're saving souls for the last 16 and a half years. And the mm. thing about this is I said, Lord, why would you end this? We're doing, we're doing your work. We're doing your work. And of course, I don't know if you know Marcus Land, Daystar Ministries over there in Texas. I've heard of it, yeah. Probably millions of people praying for him. He does. I didn't know how short he was of 65, but the thing is, we all have a limited time here. That's right. We all have a limited time. Well, I'm going to need to let you go, Ray. Thank you for calling, and we're praying for your wife, Esther. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines. It's a great time to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 
720-336-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to John in Laramie, Wyoming. Hey, John, welcome to the program. John, are you there? Well, I have John's question. John might have dropped or uh, put the phone down. So John's question is that in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, it mentions people doing things in Jesus' name, but then having to depart because they never knew him. How do you know you're in right standing with God? Yeah, that's a great question, John. And you know what? That verse was used in my life in a major way. So I grew up in a traditional Christian church. Um, you know, I don't think that I had a bad experience growing up in that church. I learned a lot of things. But it was when I was a little bit older, in high school at this point, when I was talking to a friend who was a Christian and explaining that, uh, you know, I thought of myself as a Christian too. And this person said, well, if you consider yourself a Christian, what is a Christian, right? Isn't a Christian a person who walks with God or who has a relationship with God, who actually follows Jesus? And she said, well, if that's the criteria, then maybe you shouldn't be so confident in calling yourself a Christian because you don't do those things. And I said, oh, but I know all these things. And I essentially assent intellectually to believing that they're true. And she opened up to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and read it to me and then asked me, is that you? And it just cut me to the heart in that moment. I'll read it to you so that you guys have it. Uh, Matthew 7, starting in verse 21, this is during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now let's just stop for a second. Lord, Lord, repetition in Hebrew is the way that they express um, emphasis. And so by saying, Lord, Lord, what, what it's communicating is that this is a person who passionately cried out to God, if you will. He says, not everybody who goes into church and raises their hands in worship might be our, our modern equivalent. Not all those people will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, a lot of people on the day of judgment will be in for a really sad surprise. And he says, verse 22, on that day, that's the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So to answer your question, John, there in Laramie, uh, Wyoming, what Jesus is saying is the way you know you're right with God is not because of the things that you do for God. It's not because of the words that you say about God. And it's not because you um, even have spiritual gifts. I think this one's really interesting, right? You cast out demons and prophesy. Those are spiritual gifts. And saying that just because you experience spiritual gifts, that doesn't mean that you have the Holy Spirit within you. And this is interesting. A lot of people get hung up on this. The reason this works this way, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll notice that like, for example, King Saul, there was a time in 1 Samuel when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and he prophesied. And so does that mean that Saul was born again, that he had the Holy Spirit dwelling within him as the seal of his salvation? The answer is no, because there's three relationships with the Holy Spirit that people have. On the one hand, the Holy Spirit can be with people. He's actually with everyone, convicting them, Jesus said in John 16, of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that we have all sinned, that God is righteous, we have fallen short of his righteousness, and therefore there awaits a judgment for sin because of a righteous God. So the Holy Spirit is with all people, convicting them of that, bringing them to a place of repentance, helping them see their need for, for a Savior. 
But then the second relationship with the Holy Spirit that we see in the Old Testament as well, the Holy Spirit comes upon people to empower them, but that's separate from the third relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is the indwelling of the Spirit, the indwelling, which is different than the empowerment. And so what this is essentially saying, coming back to Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, someone can experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and yet not have a relationship with God. So to answer your question just straightforwardly, how do you know you're in right standing with God? It's not by what you say. It's not by what you do. It is by having a relationship with God is what Jesus is saying. And the way to have a relationship with God, go to John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the way to have a relationship with God. I'm the way to go to heaven. I am the truth that the world is seeking after. He himself is that truth. And he is the uh, life that we need and that we, we desperately want. And so that's the answer. How can you be right with God? We're told that it's by faith that we are justified and it's by faith that God declares us righteous. And so that faith is the entry point of relationship into God, or relationship with God. So it's not by what you do for God. It's not by how you uh, praise God publicly, but it is through a relationship of the heart, which begins by faith. So John, thank you for that question. It's a great one, and I hope that uh, it was helpful for you and others who heard it. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts Live on the air, the number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Our next caller, Kez in Amarillo, Texas. Hey, Kez, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Doing great. What's up? Yes, sir. I, I was listening to... Um, can't remember. I listen to radio by Grace just about all the time. I'm, I'm a traveling worker, so I, I every time I'm in the car, I'm always listening to radio by Grace. And I'm not sure who was who was speaking and not. And it was one of these the call, ask a question, and I'll answer. I'm not sure if it was you or not, but it was. I'm I'm kosher, and I live my life kosher for my health, not necessarily for religious reasons, but um. There was a question that got brought up regarding the dietary laws, and um, the, the gentleman who answered that question, they they explained on how the parts of the law, right, he said that the dietary laws have been basically done away with, but the moral side of the law and the, and the, and the moral side of the law hasn't been done away with, but the ceremonial laws and the dietary laws basically has been done away with. He didn't use the terms done away with, but it's basically what he was saying. And and so, and, and he started to read some scripture, and it's uh, from the book of Colossians. That is a that is an episode that I, that I haven't read. And, um, and so Paul kind of explains what it means. Like, he explains the purposes of the dietary law. And it kind of turned a new leaf over for me in the way that I viewed the dietary law. And, but I, it struck up a question that was, that I, some, the spirit wasn't able to answer for me in my heart, but on how the dietary law, if it's done away with, then why therefore is gluttony something that can cause us to, to kill ourselves, basically? That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. 
Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I only have about 60 seconds, or actually like 30 seconds before we go to our break. So I might give you a quick answer and then we'll come back. If you don't mind holding for a two minute break, um, then I'll answer the rest of your question. But yeah, so basically here's what, um, and you really need to read Colossians if you haven't done it. It's really important what it says there, especially in chapter two, where it says that all the things that came before, and that was me, by the way, who gave that answer. That, that was a week or two ago that I, I remember talking to that caller. Um, the answer is that our righteousness, our justification before God is not found in, you know, keeping dietary laws. It's not found in keeping ceremonial laws either. It's found through Jesus. And essentially, those things are fulfilled in Jesus. Now, what about gluttony? How does that fit in? We'll get to that right after our break. Thanks for the great question. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. You can give us a call at 303-690-3000. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line, the number to call 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Well, before the break, we were talking to Kez in Amarillo, Texas, and he was asking this, like, even uh, though we're saved by grace, do we still need to keep kosher? Where where does gluttony come into this if the dietary laws have been fulfilled in Christ? So let's go back to Kez. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thanks for holding. Um, so, Having said what I said right before the break about our justification being in Jesus and what he did, not in what we do, uh, that brings the question of, well, is why is gluttony still a sin if the other dietary laws have been fulfilled in Jesus? And, and I would just take a second uh, to explain really clearly for our listeners and quickly what the difference is between the laws. Essentially, right, there are 300, sorry, 613 laws in the law of Moses. 613 different laws in the Bible. Those are found in books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And in those laws, right, we have um, a lot of things, but those laws, Christians traditionally, and they would point to Jesus in doing this, They've divided those laws and said, okay, there's three different kinds of laws. Those kinds of laws are, on the one hand, you have ceremonial laws. On the other hand, you have civil laws. And on the other hand, you have moral laws. Now, here's the difference between all of those. The ceremonial, well, let's start with the civil laws. The civil laws were based on the idea of Christianity, or sorry, uh, of the people of God living under the law of Moses as their civil law, meaning they, that was their societal law. God was their king. They didn't have a king apart from that, and that was their law for society. So some of the laws apply to how the a theocracy should function in which that law is the, the civil law as well. So some of the laws are civil laws, what to do in certain civil situations. Now, even in the time of Jesus, that was a difficulty the Jewish people had is that, okay, we have these civil laws, but we're not able to live them out, right? Because 
uh, we are under the rule of the Romans. And so they felt that they needed to get rid of the Romans so that they could exercise all three of their different kinds of laws. But because they were under Roman occupation, they were uh, hindered in many ways from executing their own civil laws. So we can see that that's a unique distinction. And since we don't live in that kind of theocracy, we have civil laws that we are told to obey, like in Romans chapter 13. Okay, so then the next one is you have your ceremonial laws. Now, these are laws pertaining to being clean before God. Now, these are laws like washing, uh, what you can eat, etc. And we are told in the New Testament, like for example, you mentioned Colossians chapter 2, that we are now clean through Jesus who cleanses us by his blood. Therefore, the ceremonial laws were foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so those have been fulfilled in Jesus. So now we're left with the moral laws. And uh, we're not just picking and choosing, in other words, when we come to which laws in the Old Testament we still adhere to or which apply to today and which don't. We're not just being willy-nilly, nitpicky, right? Like, oh, I like this one, but I don't like that one. No, no, no. We're dividing these into their right categories and then saying, okay, the moral laws do apply today because they are eternally connected to God's unchanging character. So that's why, you know, one of the big arguments that people give, they'll say, um, you know, people say that um, you shouldn't, that like the laws about eating pork no longer apply, but the laws about human sexuality still do apply. And they'll say you're not being consistent. Well, that's not true. We are being consistent. We just understand that there are different kinds of laws and the moral laws still apply. So to answer your question, Kez, here's why gluttony is an issue. Gluttony is an issue because it's a moral issue, not a uh, dietary, which is a part of the ceremonial law, right? So that was all about being clean and unclean, right? So certain foods were considered to be unclean and they would make a person unclean. Now, that wasn't the case with gluttony. Gluttony wasn't an issue of clean or unclean. You could eat as much clean food as you want, but if you eat so much of it that you're gorging yourself, then that would be considered um, to be an indulgence that is that is beyond what God uh, permits. Now, again, remember this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, God says to the people, all my laws are always for your good. And so why would God tell them not to be gluttonous? Well, that gets back to the same thing, because it's not good for us. It's harming our bodies. It's, you know, akin to, you know, they've shown that eating too much of certain kinds of food is, is akin to smoking cigarettes or doing drugs or harming your body in other ways. And so God doesn't want us to do that. His laws are for our good. And that's why he says not to commit gluttony. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, cool. And you know what? Here's the other thing. If you want to be glu uh, sorry, if you want to be kosher, by all means be kosher. No one's telling you you have to not be kosher. If you want to do it for health reasons or just because you enjoy it, go for it by all means. Thank just, you, Pastor. Yeah, just understand that our justification isn't found in it. But I think you understand that. So God bless you and thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 
336-0897. Let's go to Desiree in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Desiree. Welcome to the program. Desiree. Looks like Desiree is gone. Let's go to our next caller, CJ in Memphis, Tennessee. Hi, CJ. Welcome to the program. CJ. Oh, also gone. Okay. So here is CJ's question. It's a tough one, um, but I'll answer it for you on the air. By the way, that means that we have all open lines. Uh, and the number to call is 303-690-3000. Call me with your questions about the Bible. Call me with your prayer requests. I'd love to answer those questions on the air. I'd love to pray for your prayer requests. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So CJ's question was that he's going through a divorce. And he asks, if they don't reconcile together, then can he remarry? Well, CG, I'll tell you that this is a very contentious question. This is a question that not everybody agrees on. I was just with some uh, pastor friends from all over the country, and we gathered in Philadelphia just for a time of fellowship. And um, we were talking about this discussion as we walked around. We We were literally looking at the Liberty Bell and discussing your question. Can a person... Uh, be remarried if they go through a divorce, uh, if they don't reconcile and they are divorced. Uh, the few relevant passages on this, you know, Jesus says um, that he gives guidelines for divorce in which he says that uh, Moses allowed people to write a certificate of divorce. But he says, I tell you a better way. It wasn't that way from the beginning that that In other words, the design of marriage was not that it would end in divorce. The design of marriage was that it would be one man and one woman together before God forever. And yet, he says, because of the hardness of your hearts, God permitted divorce. And he says there, basically this, if you didn't have hard hearts, then we wouldn't have to talk about this thing with divorce, right? Now, hard hearts also involve sin. If sin wasn't in the world, we wouldn't, divorce wouldn't be a thing. But unfortunately, we live in a world where people have hard hearts and where divorce is a thing and people hurt and abuse one another and a lot of bad things happen. So Jesus says, you know, in the case of adultery, he does permit divorce. And we have Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he gives another permission for divorce, where he says that if it, you are abandoned, That is also a permission for divorce. And he says, in such cases, a person whose spouse leaves them, he says, you are no longer bound, you are free. And so that gives us uh, some insight there because essentially what Paul's saying is, if that marriage is over, then it's over and you are no longer bound to that marriage. Now, some people look at it and they say, well, even if as a state institution, right, people get divorced, before God, you'll still always be married because before God, marriage is for life, right? Some people hold that view, and I have friends who hold that view. I respect that view, and uh, maybe some of our listeners out there hold that view as well. I would go back to 1 Corinthians 7 and say, look, if a marriage has ended, he's not talking about marriage in court. He's talking about marriage before God. And he says, if your spouse leaves you and your marriage is over, he says, you're no longer bound to that marriage. You're free. Now, does that mean that you're free to get remarried? That's, of course, the big next question. And and it would seem there that Paul there advocates for Christian singleness. He says the best thing for you to do 
would be to be single and to use the time that you have now as a person who's no longer married, to use the time that you have to wholeheartedly, 100% of your time, devote to seeking the Lord and serving the Lord. That's the best. But he says, in some cases, some people are burning with passion and therefore it's better for them to get married than it would be for them to sin in their burning for passion. So to answer your question, I do think that it is possible to do it. I think it's, I think you can. Now it's a whole different question as to whether you should, because remember, that's what we're always dealing with. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. That's really a big part of what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians throughout the entire letter. So CJ, my advice for you is this. Number one, continue to seek reconciliation down to the very last day. If she decides to leave you, then let it be that. But you seek reconciliation. You be the first. Apologize, forgive, humble yourself, seek reconciliation with your spouse. The next is, you know, if she leaves you, then 1 Corinthians 7 says that you are free. I think that you can remarry, but I think the more important question is, should you remarry? And that's something you need to seek the Lord about and really ask him what his desire is for your life. But again, remember the Bible says it would be better for you to live wholeheartedly and devote yourself to the Lord. All right, well, thanks for that question. I know that's a very uh, difficult and definitely a very personal and real issue that many people face. Um, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. We've got all full lines right now, excited to talk to all of our callers. So let's go straight into it. Linda in Berthoud, Colorado. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Well, I have a question. Um, my sister said that Jesus doesn't hear our prayers, just his Father hears our prayers. And I just don't believe that's true. Hmm. You know what's interesting? and I, I actually found this really interesting when I looked into it. If you go throughout the entire Bible, here's what you'll notice. Nobody ever prays to Jesus, except for in one case, and that's in Acts chapter 7. There's a man named Stephen, who's the first Christian martyr, and he prays to Jesus. But even that is kind of questionable. Is that actually a prayer? Because it says that he's looking at Jesus and he's essentially being, his soul is being taken up to Jesus. And, you know, he's talking to Jesus who he's now seeing. So is that actually a prayer? I don't know. Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. Um, what's interesting, we never see anyone praying to the Holy Spirit. And aside from that one instance in Acts 7, we never see anyone praying to Jesus. Now, big reason for that, of course, is that Jesus is alive until, uh, until the end of the Gospels, when which he ascends up into heaven. But then, you know, in Acts, in the epistles, in Revelation, uh, we don't see people praying to Jesus. And if I'm wrong, any of our listeners out there, please shoot me a text and tell me where that passage is, because... I want to say things that are true. So you can text me at 720-336-0897. The pattern for prayer, in other words, throughout the Bible, is that we pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Now, the question, does Jesus hear our prayers? I absolutely believe that he does hear our prayers. Because Jesus says throughout the Gospel of John, like I said, I'm teaching the Gospel of John right now, and it's just astounding how many times you see Jesus say this. He says, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one, right? He just keeps saying, believe in God, believe also in me. I am in the Father, the Father is in me, right? In other words, there's this incredibly close connection between the Son and the Father, though they are distinct persons in the Godhead. 
yet there's this extreme uh, connection between them uh, as they are one God, right? So uh, to answer your question, I would say, I do believe Jesus hears our prayers. Uh, However, the pattern of prayer throughout the Bible is uh, to the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. And I understand it. And I was just giving her an example. I said, if somebody's in a dire situation or say they're going through a, a crash or something serious, and at that moment they just say, oh, Jesus, Lord, help me, I doubt that he doesn't, you know, hear him. I, I totally agree. Jesus instead of Father, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think God is uh, that capricious that he would be like, oh, you didn't say the right name, therefore I didn't hear you right? Like he hears you anyway, right? Like even if you were not saying, not addressing him, right? Like you don't have to like uh, click the over and out button on your walkie talkie in order for him to hear you. He hears you all the time. And so, yes, of course, Jesus would be able to hear you. Because we do pray to God and, you know, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I said to her, I can't believe that Jesus doesn't hear prayers. You know, if you were to, like I said, in that moment, you just said, Jesus, help me. I'm sure he's like, oh, nope, nope, sorry, you said me, that's my father. So. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to you know, direct your prayer to a different department, right? Like, maybe I'll put you on hold or something, right? No, of course. I totally agree with you, Linda. If you talk to Jesus, I believe that he will hear you. Uh, I'm just telling you again, the pattern for prayer in the Bible um, yeah, somebody wrote in while you were saying that, because I kind of did put out a call to people listening to show me places in the Bible where people talk to Jesus in prayer. Uh, someone wrote in, mentioned that Jesus is mentioned in First Timothy as the mediator between God and man. And that's right. Um, and so he is the, the mediator or the go-between. And so that, that's a good example. And you know what? Maybe that is, maybe that's a good example that we can use that he is our mediator. And, you know, that's an important verse there because some people will say, oh, you can pray to saints, even though you're not praying to the saint as if the saint is a God, you're praying to them so they can pass the message on to God. And to that, of course, the Bible says, nope, that's not necessary. We have a mediator and that mediator is Jesus. So yeah, um, the texter who texted in, thanks for that. I think I can accept that as being a, a good answer to Linda's question. So if you talk to Jesus, will God hear you? Of course. You, uh, you know, said him in that moment, you know, and so that's what we were talking about. He doesn't even hear our prayers. I said, I don't believe that. I'm not saying I'm praying to him, but if that moment you were something serious happening, just happened to say, Jesus, Lord, help me, you know, I doubt that he's going to not hear it. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, thanks, Linda. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Ashley in North Glen, Colorado. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. My daughter has been asking a lot of questions lately as to why we were created and, um, of course, the church has been doing a wonderful job answering her questions. But one of the things that she asked me was, why did God create us if he already knew what all of our decisions were and what we were going to do as the end result? Wouldn't it just be like watching a movie two or three times and already knowing the ending to it? 
Mm. I'm not sure how to answer that question. Well, sure, yeah. So God does know everything that's going to happen, and yet we see that God experiences um, actual emotions as he as he experiences these things happening in real time, if you will. Right? So you could think about it in this way. Uh, imagine if you were up in a blimp looking at a parade, right? If you're down on the ground watching the parade, you see each float or group come by one at a time. But if you're up in the air, you can see the whole parade as a whole. And so God's foreknowledge, this is interesting because we see this throughout the Bible, God's foreknowledge doesn't prevent him from feeling things in the moment. So for example, we read that uh, God felt a deep sense of regret over things that people did, even though he knew those people were going to do those things, right? He's So God's, in other words, God's sovereignty and God's all-knowingness, right? His, um, yeah, his ability to know everything. He, that doesn't mean that he is unfeeling and it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. And clearly he has the ability also to not be bored with what's happening. Um, and so I would just say that, you know, God is different than us. His ways are not our ways. Um, we might think that that's boring, but we can see in the Bible that God doesn't. And so I'm not sure why it is that he doesn't, but certainly we can be sure that he doesn't because we do see these times when uh, emotion is being experienced by God. So it's just the only difference is that he can feel everything as it's happening rather than prior to it happening? No, I think he, I think he has the ability to do both, right? So he can feel it as it's happening and before it's happening. And we, we know that, you know, he, he's experiencing these things. Like you think about the emotions that we experience when we see something or, or feel disappointment or all these things. If we felt all those things, man, those feelings would just destroy us. If, if there was, you know, if we got the whole of humanity, you know, all the experiences and all the things that happen in the world. And yet God is able to absorb all of that and feel the feelings and yet not be, not be bored with it, I guess. So I think it's, it's an aspect of the fact that God's outside of time and he's bigger and different than we are. Okay. I guess that's, that's one way to explain it to her. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to explain this to me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to our next caller, John, on the road in Colorado. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Thank you. What can we do for you? Well, I, you know, really, the, the issue that in my life is that I'm Asian American, and my, 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 my love, a girl, woman who I've been dating. Uh, we met at church, but she is African American, um, and our families won't give us their their blessing to get married, um, which has really been a strain on us because we love each other and we know each other in Christ, and. It's just been very difficult to maintain a healthy relationship with our families as well. Yeah. Are your families believers? Well, mine is. Uh, hers is not uh, not completely. Um, 
they well, I guess I would say they're they're Christian scientists. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. It's it's not it doesn't seem quite No, I, I wouldn't call it Christianity. Right, right. Yeah, I would I mean, call they, it pseudo Christian. They would say that they're yeah. believers, but I'm yeah. not sure that that's what I would say. Yeah, it's actually a form of Gnosticism, in fact. Um, so I would say it's not Christianity. But, well, John, I would just say that's a really difficult position to be in. I think that the obvious Christian answer would be that, hey, it's very clear in the Bible that there's neither Jew nor Greek. In other words, racial differentiations have been done away with as far as fellowship between Christians. And in other words, we as uh, God is uniting all things, it says in Ephesians chapter 1. His plan for the ages is to unite all things in Christ. And so these divisions that are created by prejudice or racism or sin, ultimately they will be done away with. And so it's really hard when we experience them, even here in this life. Um, and I, I want to pray for your family and for this situation. Uh, my, my advice is this. Have the straight-up conversation with your family and say, you know, hear them out on why this is. If it if it comes down to race and skin tone, I mean, I don't I don't think that that should be a reason for you not to get married. Um, I think that you are, you know, one in Christ, uh, as far as equal in Christ, um, as are all human beings, right? So it's like um, I would encourage you have the conversation with them and then explain to them in the most respectful way that you can say, hey, we we want to have a relationship with you. We feel that what you're saying here is is prejudice and bias in a way that does not align with our our faith and the teachings of the Bible. And so we hear that you don't like this, but we are going to move forward um, because we believe that your your objection to this is really antithetical to the gospel. And so um, I think that if you can do that in a loving and respectful way, I think that it would be a good thing. But my prayer for you is that you don't have to do that. My prayer for you is that they get on board and that God uses this to to do something great in their lives as well. So let me pray yeah. for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for John and I pray for his uh, his girlfriend or fiance. Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, you would help them to have this difficult conversation. And Lord, I pray that you would bind them together in you. I pray that their family would accept them, accept each other. Um, and Lord, we pray that you would do a work in their lives. May we use this as a way to bring them more in line with thinking the way that you think. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That, it's a, that's a, a big relief, um, a, a load off my shoulders, uh, because we can't, we can't wait to know each other carnally. And um, that has been a, a struggle for us okay. to be able to not to do that i'm i mean we we know that it is a sin but we we engage in that mm. but i would i would really encourage you towards um you know celibacy and really keeping yourselves pure before the lord as you wait for for his timing but i, I would encourage you to as paul said we mentioned this with an earlier caller it's better not to burn with lust it's better to be married Again, have that conversation with your parents. Uh, keep seeking the Lord together. And uh, God bless you guys. All right. Bye-bye.
Hey, you are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've reached the end of our program. We did have a few callers we didn't get to today. Corey in Amarillo, Texas, had a question about how do you know you have the, the Holy Spirit? I think the answer to that question, Corey, just to make it very brief, is found in Galatians chapter 5. It manifests itself in love which has, of course, other manifestations, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It's clearly not purely through the, Holy, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we can know that we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a seal within us, as we talked about the differentiation between different relationships with the Holy Spirit earlier in the show. But uh, sorry we couldn't get to Corey and Melissa. Hopefully you guys can call in next week. We're here every weekday uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time, taking your calls and texts live on the air for Calvary Live. Hey, just as we're wrapping up, I just want to tell you about something I've been involved in lately. I recently wrote a book, and I'd love it if you'd check it out. Um, The book is called The God I Won't Believe In. It is now available on Uh, It's available where you buy books online. It's also available in our church's bookstore, in the Calvary Church in Aurora's bookstore as of this weekend. Uh, It is a book in which we look at nine common barriers to embracing Christianity, and we respond to them with thoughtful and biblical answers. So if you're a person who struggles with, you know, why did God uh, permit genocide in the Old Testament? Does Christianity encourage the suppression of women and minorities? Things like this. So we answer nine similar questions. So if you struggle with those questions, or if you just want to have a resource to help you be equipped to answer other people as they struggle with those things, um, you can check out that book. Maybe the best place to look at it is on my website, nickkady.org, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org, and click the tab for book. God bless you guys. Thank you for your calls today. Thank you for uh, being part of the show, and I'll be with you again next week. Have a great evening and a safe drive. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.